it's so good to be here, guys. I'm so glad you're back. That was a long winter break, very long winter break. I appreciated it in some ways, but I missed you big time, so I'm glad you're here. If you're new tonight, I just want to say welcome. I pray that you'd feel welcomed and loved here. It's one of our uh, deepest desires as a community is to make everybody feel welcome and loved, so I pray that you'd feel that way. And as Emily said, we just had a baby in October. I talk about baby Jane a lot because uh, she's kind of important to me, but also because the journey that we the journey we went on to have this baby was probably one of the most significant, or probably the most significant journeys of my life. So about two years ago, we began, well, about three years ago now, we began praying for a baby. We began praying that God would give us the gift of children, and we had a very tough time. Uh, it took us about a year of praying to uh, get pregnant the first time in 2017, in August of 2017. It's actually the very first service of the school year in 2017. We found out we were pregnant. And then shortly after, we miscarried that baby. So that was pretty hard for us. So if your life goes pretty much perfectly or close to perfectly or pretty good, then it's pretty easy to know that God is good, right? It's pretty easy to be like, oh, yeah, my life's great. God's good. But in that moment, I realized that things happen in our lives that don't always make sense. And that led us on a journey of of praying for healing and, and praying again that we'd have a baby. And then in February of 2018, we got pregnant with Jane. And we're thankful now we have a baby girl. But this journey has profoundly shaped who I am. It's shaped who Emily, or shaped who Emily is. And as I look back on it, I think the, the most dominant fear in our lives during that, or the most dominant emotion in our lives during that journey was fear. Fear was just raging in my life and in Emily's life. Before we got pregnant for the first time, we feared that God, wouldn't, that God would not give us the gift of a child. And then once we got pregnant, I remember talking to Pastor Nick right here on that night. I told him, I was like, dude, we're pregnant. And I remember saying to him that night, but I'm kind of worried. I'm kind of scared, even right away. And sure enough, we miscarried a week later. And then after we miscarried, I feared that God would never give us that gift again because it was very hard for us the first time. And then once we got pregnant with Jane... I feared that we'd miscarry her too. And then when she was born, I feared that I'd be a terrible dad. I, I still am scared about that. And now I have fears like, hey, how is she going to turn out? Am I going to scar her? Am I going to mess her up? Is Emily going to mess her up? Are we going to mess her up? The point is, throughout this journey, fear has been an, a mountain, so to speak, that I've had to wrestle with. It's been a mountain I've had to truly tell to move from here to there, as Jesus talks about. And because we're all humans in this place, I think all of us have had experiences with fear. I think each and every one of you came in here tonight with a fear. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're scared of spiders. Like, my wife is scared of spiders, and she goes crazy if a spider comes in the room. You'd feel like there's a nuclear bomb going off or something. But more seriously, some of you are afraid that you'll never amount to anything in life. There's this this pressure to succeed. There's this burden that my life has to count. Some fear rejection. You fear that the people you love won't love you back. You fear that the authority figures in your life will reject you, whether that be a professor or a pastor or a parent or a boss or God. Some of us are afraid that we'll never find a godly spouse who loves Jesus. Some are afraid of dying, and you're afraid of what it's going to be like when you meet Jesus, or if you meet anybody at all, you're not sure. 
Some are afraid that life won't turn out the way you want it to. You want heaven to happen on earth. You're like, hey, this life is my only life. It's got to be amazing. And you're afraid that it won't quite measure up to what you want. Some are afraid of following God's call on their lives. The point is, we all have fears. So think now about those fears in your life as we go on this journey tonight. I'm talking about fear. If we're not careful, both small fears like fear of spiders or fear of public speaking or big fears like fear of rejection, these fears can control our lives. They can dictate our decision-making They can dominate our thoughts. If we're not careful, Satan will use fear to keep you from being the person that God has called you to be. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at different mountains that Jesus wants to move in our lives. Tonight, if you guessed it, we're talking about fear. And I just want to be completely honest. I took this sermon series from a great church in Washington, D.C., so I didn't make that video, okay? There's no one here, I think, that can make that video. I'm not sure. Maybe Victor Martinez back there. He's a, he's a mad scientist. But we took this idea from National Community Church. The sermons are my own. But a couple of years ago, I heard this sermon series in, uh, from the church in D.C., and it just profoundly moved me. And as I began to pray about 2019, I felt like God was saying, you need to preach that series. I want to move mountains In your students' lives, I want to move mountains in your life, and I want to move mountains on this campus. I believe that there's mountains that have stood in your life for many years that are going to be moved this year. I believe there's mountains on our campus that have stood for years that are going to be moved. I believe that. So what better way to start 2019 than to talk about these mountains and how Jesus can move them? And this series comes from Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. Jesus says this, he says, Truly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mountains that have towered over us for far too long are going to be picked up and thrown into the sea in 2019. So tonight we're talking about fear and our... Uh, sermon title is Fear to Trust. Jesus is going to move the mountain of fear and, and replace it with a deep, supernatural, otherworldly trust in God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to be looking at a pretty popular story, the crossing of the Red Sea, if you've heard of it. The book of Exodus starts out by telling the story of how God used a prophet named Moses. If you've heard of Moses, to free his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt. And to get Pharaoh to, or to free the Israelites, God sends 10 plagues down on Egypt. And these plagues were nasty, all right? Uh, The first one was turning the Nile into blood. There was like raining frogs, there was gnats and boils and crazy stuff that we don't want to experience. But finally, it, it took 10 plagues and the last one of killing every firstborn son in Egypt took all those things for God, or for, sorry, I was about to start worshiping. Uh, it took all those things for Pharaoh to finally say, okay, you can go free. But Pharaoh was pretty finicky. He's pretty fickle. He would change his mind a lot. And he, I think they got like a mile down the road, and, and he changed his mind and says, hey, we need to go after the Israelites again. They need to stay in slavery. 
All right, so the Israelite army is coming upon the Israelites as they just got freed, and now there's a huge army coming at them, and they are scared to death, right? If you want to talk about mountains of fear, think about the world's greatest army coming at you. That's scary. And then there's the Red Sea on the other side, and you're stuck in that spot. So tonight what I want to do is look at this story to see how we can find freedom from fear. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. To move the mountain of fear, we must trust God. To move the mountain of fear, we must trust God. All right, let me pray for that and pray for tonight. God, I thank you for every single student in this room. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And with the beginning of a new year, I just believe that you want to breathe something fresh in this community. I believe you want to breathe something fresh into the lives of our students. God, I pray that the mountain of fear would be moved in the name of Jesus tonight. I pray that fear would not cripple our students, but I pray that these students would be unleashed to be the men and women that that you have called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this has some fun names to pronounce, this passage, so I practiced hard in my office this morning. Uh, Let's see how it goes. All right, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn pack and encamp in front of Pihiroth. Okay, I already screwed it up, so just forget about it. <laughs> Between Migdol, I had it earlier, in the sea, in front of Baal Sifon, I think that's close, and you shall encamp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Sometimes God allows things to get bad in your life so he can show that he is God, so he can come through at the last second. All right, I'm already preaching. I need to keep reading. All right, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told, I think I'm in the right spot, that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people, and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt uh, with the officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people, or people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. And the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi-Aharoth in front of Baal-Sivan. All right. First point tonight is this, if you're taking notes. If you fell asleep, hopefully you just woke up. To move the mountain of fear, we must trust. So there's four things we need to do with trust, okay? So it's, it should be pretty easy for you to remember. The first thing is we need to trust that God can guide us. So after leading the Israelites out of Egypt, the Lord speaks to Moses, and he gives him guidance. He knows that Pharaoh is pretty schizophrenic. He's going to change his mind, and he's going to regret freeing them and come after them with his army. And he doesn't tell Moses, he doesn't say, hey, this is how I'm going to defeat Pharaoh, but he ensures him that he will get glory over Pharaoh. So God says, do this, I promise, I'll take care of it. And then as God said, Pharaoh does change his mind and comes after the Israelites. So the Lord knew what was going to happen. God knows what's going to happen in your life. He knows. And he gave Moses guidance to help him navigate what was going to happen. Because of this, Moses was prepared for Pharaoh's pursuit. And he was able to have courage in the midst of fear because he said, God already told me that this was going to happen. So the beginning of our text tonight gives us an important principle. God can help you in your battle against fear by guiding you supernaturally. 
He wants to have the relationship with you that he had with Moses. That's not only for Moses, right? God can speak to you just like he does Moses in the Bible. Because Jesus came, he tore the veil when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And Jesus has made the Holy Spirit available to all of us. So God can guide you. There can be intimacy like Moses had with God. It takes a lot of work. It takes uh, daily discipline, right? But God is available for you to guide you. John 14, 16 says this. Jesus is about to leave earth. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So Jesus promises uh, that he will send his Holy Spirit to be our helper. Think about it. You have like a divine being who wants to be your helper, like your sidekick, it sounds like. He's not your sidekick, but it sounds like that. Like your helper. He's just there to help you through life. But so many of us who are followers of Jesus just ignore the Holy Spirit all the time. We don't even go to him. We don't even pray. We, like, guys, when you're going through something, pray about it right away. Give it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. He's there to guide you. And this word for helper is paraclete, or paraclete in Greek, and it means to guide or to advocate for or to comfort. So God is available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to guide you, to comfort you. That should get us excited. We could end right now and praise Jesus for that. The Holy Spirit, God of everything, God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies, he's here right now, and he's living in some of your hearts. The Holy Spirit can guide you. So one of the most comforting things for me and for firmly throughout our baby journey, as I'll call it tonight, is how the Lord would speak to me at just the right times through his word. I have a yearly Bible reading plan that I go through the entire Bible in a year. So I plan out all my texts and everything before the year even begins. And throughout our baby journey, like, oh, the Lord will put the exact verses I needed for particular days. Like, like not just like, oh, I'm feeling anxious and, and God said, don't be anxious. Like seriously, like crazy stuff. I'll share one of them. But these times that God would speak, it would give me profound comfort and give me courage in the midst of fear. So there's one example. is the day after we found out we were pregnant with Jane. I was scared to death. I was like, Lord, I cannot go through another miscarriage. I was pumped, but I was also scared. I'll show you my journal entry. Let's put it up there. This is, this is word for word. Okay, so February 8, 2018, I said this. I said, I said, we're so excited about our new baby. And one thing that's incredibly scary is the thought of losing this one. I said, my emotions are mixed. I'm excited, I'm expectant, I'm trusting, but the voice of the enemy is trying to get me to fear and to ex- expect the worst. We are so desperate for God to protect our baby. Jesus, please form a hedge of protection around him or her. Grow our trust in you, in your goodness. Although bad things happen to your followers all the time, just read the Bible, bad things happen. It doesn't mean we're doomed to death and loss. Give us faith and trust in your ability to protect our little one. Two minutes later, I open up Exodus chapter 23. All right, throw it up there. This is in my Bible plan. This is the only verse in the entire scripture that promises that you're not going to miscarry. The day after we find out we're pregnant, this verse comes up. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. God broke into my life in that moment. He spoke to me. Think about that, guys. Think about if you're just like scared to death and then something so specific like that comes from God. I was still scared at times. Don't get me wrong. But that gave me courage. I put it up on my office, on my whiteboard. If you came into my office at all last year, you'd see it. I put it up there. 
I wrote that verse down and I said, I'm not erasing this until she's born. I was pumped when she was born because I was ready to put a different verse up. But I held on to that. Those times I would get scared, those times I would have fear, I held on to that. But here's the thing. I would not have gotten that guidance from God if I hadn't went to the Holy Scriptures that morning. God most often speaks through his word. He also speaks through people. He speaks through dreams. But I feel like he most often speaks through his word. So if you want to have victory over fear, you have to let God guide you. And you have to lean into his voice and say, Spirit, speak for I'm listening. I pray that you would do that in 2019. When you're scared, you'd say, God, I need you. Help me. Speak to me. And then let God inject life and courage into your bones. I pray that you would do that. Rely on God. Less venting to people and more prayer. I pray that that would happen in 2019. All right. There's way more to this sermon, so I need to keep going. All right, verse 10 through 12. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. Okay, so Pharaoh's coming. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly, as anyone would. And the people... The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it's because there are no, or is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you? Like, Moses, we were fine. We didn't want to leave anyways. Why would you bring us out here to die? It's the Daniel version. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Second thing, and I think this might be the most important point of the night, so listen. To move the mountain of fear, we have to, to trust that God is good. As Pharaoh and his army drew near, it says the Israelites lifted up their eyes and they saw this army coming from the hill and they saw the size of it and they were full of fear. They panic. And what's the first thing they do? First thing they do, which so many of us do, they question God. They're like, God, what are you doing? Life wasn't supposed to be hard. And they begin to question his intentions. They say, God, did you bring us out here just to kill us? God, did you free us? Like, are you like some vindictive, weird being who just wanted to bring us out here to watch us die? They begin to question God's character through their leader, Moses. As they, as they looked at the size of the army, the mountain of fear grew. And what the Israelites should have done is they should have looked at the size of the army, the size of that mountain, so to speak, and remembered the size, the power, and the goodness of their God. The God who had just delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh could surely do it again. They should have remembered God's goodness, the God who loved them enough to free them from their bondage. But instead of leaning into God's strength and character when they needed it most and trusting him for deliverance, they began to question his intentions. And they wondered if he had just brought them there to die. So this, this shows us this, the second part of moving the mountain of fear, and that's if we want to move the mountain of fear, we have to get a right view of God. And we have to know that God is good. I'll say that every week. God is good. He has good intentions for your life. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to withhold good things from you. No, he might not make you rich, all right? He's not a vending machine. And that's not good for you anyways, probably, for most people. But he has a good and perfect plan for your life. And he wants your best. Everything's not going to go perfect, as I know. But God is always on the throne, and he always has your best interests in mind. And he can redeem even the worst of circumstances. He can leverage them to help you become the person that he created you to be. So if we want to get free from fear tonight, we have to know that God is good. 
He's not going to leave you to die in the wilderness. But he wants to call you into an abundant life. In the Journal of Psychology and Religion, a study entitled Prayer, Attachment to God, and Symptoms of Anxiety-Related Disorders Among U.S. Adults, it's a long name, it looked at the data of 1,714 volunteers, and researchers found that those who prayed and had a view of God as protective and loving experienced uh, dramatic reductions of anxiety compared to those who prayed without uh, the expectation of comfort and protection. So the point is, if you pray to a God who you view as good, you're not going to be as anxious. If you pray to a God who you view as bad and have bad intentions for your life, you're going to be more anxious. It says this exactly. Persons who pray often to a God who is perceived as a, as a secure attachment figure derive clear mental health benefits. And while those who pray to a God who is perceived as distant or unresponsive experience elevated levels of anxiety-related symptoms. So even psychologists, this is a, a secular journal, even psychologists understand that our view of God affects our mental health, which, which naturally affects our fear, right? It affects our anxiety. So if you want to have victory over fear and anxiety, you have to know that God is good and that he is for you. During our journey of the baby and experiencing the miscarriage, I actually went through a huge bout of anxiety in 2017. Right when we started like praying desperately and God wasn't answering, I started getting really, really anxious, scared about crazy things. And I think it's because I wasn't sure if God was good. I was like, I don't know if he's good anymore. He's not giving me everything I want. So my mind went to, my life was pretty good up to that point. I had some, you know, tough times, but for the most part, it was pretty good. And I began to question if he was good, and I began to get super anxious. I'm not saying that's going to happen to all of you, but I'm saying if you want to get some victory over fear tonight, please get that in your bones. Just sing good, good father over and over again. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. So you, I don't know if you know that song. You guys aren't tracking with me. But anyways, just sing that to yourself. All right, so verses 13 and 14 pick up on another principle that I think we should find tonight. It says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, uh, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again, and the Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. So to move the mountain of fear, we must trust that God is fighting our battles. And yes, we planned that when we played that song, okay? So it wasn't like a crazy divine thing. I told Derek, place around it, it talks about fighting battles. But anyways, so to move the mountain of fear, we must trust that God is fighting our battles. As, as Israelites question God's intentions and his goodness, their leader, Moses, calls them to stand tall, stand firm, and fear not. And he reassures them that God will work salvation on your behalf today. He has done it before, and he will do it again. He even goes as far as to say that the Egyptians, they're going to be nothing after today. And then he gets to one of my favorite verses in, or verses in the Bible. He proclaims that God will fight for them, and you only have to be silent. I love Moses' courage in the midst of fear. His people are questioning his leadership. He's got an army caving in on him. But he says, fear not. Stand firm. God will fight for us. Then the best part is he tells them, just shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> he says, be quiet. He'll do it. Like, you don't have to do anything. In a world that tells us that we have to be independent and work hard to achieve everything in life. Moses' call to be silent seems ludicrous. Shouldn't we prepare for battle? Let's go get some rocks or something. We've got to fight them with something. And shouldn't we try to work salvation for ourselves? Moses, you're crazy. You're the worst commander ever. But the reason that 
that Moses was able to call the Israelites to be silent is he has experience with God. He has seen God fight battles on his behalf before. God saved him as a baby when he was sentenced to die. God spoke to him through a burning bush when he was on the run from Egypt. God empowered him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt even though he had a stutter and couldn't public speak. Like when God called Moses, Moses was like, God, I stutter. You got the wrong dude. But God said, hey, I'll speak for you. So Moses knew. He had experience with God. He knew God's been fighting my battles for a lot of years and he'll do it again today. If you're a follower of Jesus, fear should never get the final word because you have a God who's fighting on your behalf, a God who went as far to die on the cross for your sins. He works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he never takes a day off. He loves you deeply. He has good plans for you. He has a purpose for your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't fear. And I'm saying this to myself. Like, I have fears, right? I'm not saying you need to be perfect, but I'm saying, guys, we need to get this in our bones that, that God fights for us so much that he sent his own son to pay our penalty on the cross. If that's the God we serve, then we can trust him, right? In Luke chapter 12, it says this. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. I know all your hairs, he's saying. Fear not, because you are of more value than many sparrows. He's talking about how God takes care of the sparrows. He's saying, if God takes care of the sparrows, he can take care of you. He knows all the hairs on your head. God values you. He thinks you're important. He loves you. And he's fighting for you. He wants the best for you. When fear tries to take over, just lean into him. And allow the fact that he is fighting for you to silence your fears. So back when I was a little kid, I loved playing Madden. Okay? I still love playing Madden, so I don't know why I said back when I was a kid. I've been playing it for like 20 years. I have a problem. But anyways, but not as much now as I did. But anyways, I don't need to justify myself. But... uh, (laughs) So every night, if I didn't get a game of Madden, I felt like my day sucked. Sorry, I shouldn't say sucked, stunk. And, uh, but sometimes I'd be down in the basement playing Madden, and I'd get a little scared because my basement was a big basement. It was dark. And I'd shout, Mom! I'd say, Mom! Mom! And then she'd you know, peek her head down the stairs and be like, Daniel, what is it? I said, oh, nothing. I just wanted, I just wanted to know that you're there. And then my fear would go away because Mom was upstairs, right? Now today, I don't call on Mom anymore. But sometimes at night I get scared. I get scared about my own life. I get scared about your lives. I think about the things you're going through. I'm like, God, I don't know how to help them. I call out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I'll sense the Lord's presence. He doesn't solve my problems in those moments. He hardly ever gives me solutions when I pray. I don't know why. I thought that's uh, what the gig was. I'm supposed to pray and get a you know, direct response right away. But... I'll sense that he's there, and I'll kind of hear that verse in my heart where God says, be still and know that I'm God. Just saying, hey, I'm here, I got you. Just like my mom's presence would subside my fears, God's presence will help you to get over your fear. Like when you know God is there and he cares about you, he's fighting your battles, that'll help you to find victory. If we can get this to sink into the life of our community, I believe you'll have much more peace in your personal life, but then also there's going to be much more effectiveness in our, in our mission to reach the campus. Because if you believe that God's already going before you and he's preparing a way that he's fighting your battle, then you're not as scared to share your faith with your classmates. You're not as scared to invite someone to Chi Alpha or to pray with someone because 
Because you know God is fighting battles on my behalf and it gives you courage. I believe that's the key in 2019 to walk in power as a community, to know that God is fighting for us. He's going before us. He's preparing a way. And if you know that, then you'll do whatever it takes to advance his name. You'll do whatever it takes uh, to see the gospel preached and and the kingdom to burst forth on the campus. And in your own life, you'll have peace and joy. And people will see that peace and joy and they'll say, I want what you have. You're not freaking out about that test on Friday. I hate when a teacher says, oh, you have a test. And everyone starts freaking out. Does that still happen? I don't know. For me, it happened all the time. People are like, oh, it's the end of the world. But you stand up and say, God is fighting. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. If you want to, you can. (laughs) But it'll give you courage. All right. All right, that's that. All right, verse 15 through 18. It says, says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you, and this is the last part of the sermon, if you're wondering. Okay. It says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians uh, so that they will go after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and the horsemen. All right, last thing. This is like the big punch. This is the practical application To move the mountain of fear, we have to trust God enough to move forward in obedience. After after rallying the people, God speaks to Moses. He says, why are you crying to me? I've told you what to do. Get your butt moving. Move forward. (laughs) He didn't say get your butt moving, okay? He's, He's not yelling at us. He says, you know what to do? He says, lift up that staff. Put it over the sea and tell it to divide. And then the sea, just imagine this, guys. The sea, it just begins to go, like, have you seen Ten Commandments? It's an old movie. All right, just picture the sea, this, this deep sea dividing. And sure enough, they walk through the sea on dry ground. And God defeats that mountain for them. So this gives us our final principle tonight, and that's this. If we want to get victory, we have to obey what God tells us to do, even in the midst of fear. Think about how scary that would be to see like water, just like huge walls of water on either side. And this thing could come in at any point. But they walked through the sea. What if they had said, oh, we're not going to do that? They would have missed the miracle. If they were too scared and they stood on the bank, they're like, oh, we're not going to do that. Like, like there's some things that could happen here, like the water could fall on us and we would drown and die. But instead they walked forward. You think about Peter in the Gospels when Jesus calls him to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. If Peter had not gotten out of of the boat, he would not have been able to walk on water, right? So if you want to see the mountain of fear move in your life, you have to obey what God has told you to do. So I don't know what God's told you to do, but he's told you to do some things. There's some things that we're disobeying right now that God's told us to do. And I believe tonight that there's a call to obedience in the midst of fear, courage in the midst of fear. Say, we're going to do whatever God calls us to do, and we're putting it on him because he's our God. He took care of us in the past. He's going to take care of us now. So Mark chapter 11 again says this, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Fear, our faith and trust, is best expressed through obedience. 
So one way to practically not doubt in your heart, as Jesus said, is to obey him even when you're not sure about what the outcome's gonna be. If you want to move the mountain of fear, you have to move forward. You have to do what Jesus told you to do. So one more story tonight. Uh, when Emily and I were sophomores here at UNI, we felt called to get married, and I felt called to transfer to uh, Bible college up in Minneapolis, and we both had scholarships here and all that kind of stuff, but God was calling us to do it. And one of the things that Emily wanted to do was transfer to Carlson School of Management up at the U of M to continue her accounting degree, but the problem with that school is they don't tell you if you get in until like May. And for us, we had to like plan everything because we're getting married in June and had to plan out moving before she even knew if she got in. And it's a prestigious school. It's hard to get into. But God called us to go. So we said, okay, God, we're going to go. If she doesn't get in, I guess she's going to do something else. I don't know. But God came through and she got in. It was incredible. As we were in Minnesota, as we saw God do that over and over again, we had no money. We got married at 20. We were crazy, super immature. But God paid our bills. God took care of us. God moved mountains for us. But it would not have happened if we stayed in the boat. It would not have happened if we uh, were too scared and we analyzed everything. Some of you need to stop analyzing so much. And we're like, okay, what about this, this, and that? It, it, if that doesn't all come together, it's not going to work out. But instead you say, if God told me I've got my marching orders, I'm going for it. All right, the band would come up tonight. We're going to close. I believe that God is telling some of us tonight to walk right towards that mountain of fear and obey him even even when we're scared. So maybe God is asking you to share your faith with a friend. Share your faith with a friend. Maybe you're nervous about it. You're nervous about how to respond. Or maybe God's calling you to forgive someone who's hurt you. And it can be really scary to forgive someone because then you're giving that to God. You're saying, I'm not going to execute justice at this point. I'm leaving that to God to deal with that person. Some of you need to forgive somebody tonight who's hurt you. And give that to God. And say, all right, God, I'm obeying you, even though I'm scared about what it's going to be like if I forgive them, if I let them off the hook. And for others, maybe you're scared. This is really practical, but maybe you're scared about the payment coming up this Thursday for the mission trip. I know there's some people that are scared about that. I've talked to you. But God's telling you to go forward, right? He's telling you to go forward. I don't know what you're facing tonight, but we're all facing something. If you get anything tonight, I want you to know that God never calls you to bow down to fear. God never calls you to make decisions based upon fear. I have a philosophy. If someone asks me to do something and it scares me, I'm going to do it. Because that's the only way I grow. It's the only way I see God do awesome things in my life. I pray that you would do that. I pray as a community, we would do that. We would say, I don't care. I don't care what's standing in my way. I don't care what fear I have, I'm going to walk forward. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. To move the mountain of fear, we must trust God. To move the mountain of fear, we must trust God. I believe whatever you're facing, so think about that right now. You all have fears. Think about that fear, something that scares you. And maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe it's fear of making a big change that God's calling you to make. Maybe it's fear to start a relationship or to end a relationship. Maybe it's fear to talk to someone about Jesus. But think about that right now. And think about Jesus. Think about what he did. Compare side by side that fear to Jesus Christ, the one who hung on the cross for your sins. And say, who is more powerful? Who is stronger? I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit, because only he can do it. I can't, I can't force this. I can't uh, make this reality 
clear to your heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit right now, Spirit, I'm asking you to make so clear to their hearts that, that you are more powerful than that fear. Spirit, press it in right now. God, I'm asking you to do that. I pray that that would happen in your life tonight, that the Spirit would be so real to you and that you would understand God's love for you. It doesn't matter what he asks you to do, that you do it because you know he's going with you. He's fighting for you. He has good intentions for your life. And one of the fears that I think many of us struggle with is the fear of what God thinks about us. I gotta be honest, guys, I struggle with that. I ask God, am I a good husband? Am I a good pastor? Am I being a good enough pastor for these students? Am I a good father? Am I a good disciple? I ask these questions. Sometimes I'm not sure what he thinks about me. I, I question it. I think some of us are wondering tonight if God actually loves us, if he actually cares about us. I believe some of us walked in with an emptiness tonight with shame in our hearts. We don't know if we're, if we're worth love at all. We don't know what God thinks about us. I pray tonight that you would encounter Jesus. Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. And that his love would be so clear to you. That you would, that you would know the truth that, that Jesus is aware of your sin. He takes it very seriously. He doesn't turn a blind eye to it. He knows what you've done. He knows you're flawed and sinful. And he's not all right with it. He's so not all right with it that he said, I need to destroy sin on the cross. I need to provide a way to get victory over sin. And Jesus gave up his very life so that you could find freedom from sin tonight, so that you could find freedom from shame and guilt in the voice of the enemy telling, or telling you that you're never going to measure up and that your life is not going to amount to anything that, and that you couldn't have an abundant life, that you're doomed to the sins of your parents. Jesus wants to speak to you now. He puts himself on the cross to show you that he is over all those things and that he can make your life a life that counts and that he can give you worth and value and he can call you to move mountains and to see people come to know him. I pray tonight that you would know the love of God. I pray if people say anything about Chi Alpha students that they would say that you know the love of God. You know what he thinks about you. That he is so fond of you that he gave everything for your life. And that Romans 8 chapter 1 says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's none. There's no condemnation. There's no question. There's no question what God thinks about you if you're in Christ. But the key is to put your faith in Jesus. If you say no to that sacrifice, if you say no to Jesus, then there is condemnation because Jesus' blood has not covered your sin. But as soon as you say yes, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the new has come and the old has passed away. So if you have not experienced the love of God in that way tonight, if you have not put your faith in Jesus before, or maybe you have, but you've been just not following the Lord lately, I pray that you would put your trust into him and experience what it means to have God look at you and be fond of you and say, no fear is a match because I got my daughter. I got my son. I'm going to take care of that because I love my child. I love my children. I pray that you would experience that tonight and that and that that mountain of fear would crumble before your eyes. All right, stand with me tonight. We're going to close. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here tonight and, and that speaks to you, that speaks to you that, that you feel like you're separated from God, you, you feel like you don't have right relationship with him and you want to put your faith in Jesus and experience what it means to be a new creation, if that's you, I want to give you a chance to respond between you and God. I'm going to count to three and when I do, just slip up your hand to him. So one, 
two, three. Just slip up your hand right now to signal that you want to be a new creation. I see those hands. Is there anyone else tonight? All right, you can put them down. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of repentance and trust and a prayer of thrusting ourselves into Jesus, so to speak, and saying, God, we trust you. God, we trust that you died for us and that you can make us a new creation. So I'm going to pray that. God, I pray tonight that those who want to put their faith in you for the first time or recommit to you, that you would just speak to them right now and tell them that they're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I pray that they would experience what it means to be a son or daughter of God, that they would be bought and adopted into your family. And I pray that would happen right now. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like it's happening right now that uh, the Spirit's breathing new life over people. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I, I just believe that the Spirit is breathing new life over you right now. All right, the second question is this, if you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here tonight, and if you're honest, there's some fears that have been kind of crippling you. There's some fears that have been holding you back. Like you don't have to say them out loud, but just think about that fear right now. And I want you to lift up your hands to Jesus. Just give it to him. Say, Jesus, I surrender this fear. God, I know that you have power over this fear tonight. I'm doing it too. God, I'm thinking about my fears right now. All right, Jesus, we give you these fears. God, we pray that fear would not dominate our lives. God, we pray that we'd had victory over this mountain tonight. God, I pray that this would be a people of courage and strength and trust in you. God, move the mountain of fear and replace it with trust tonight. In Jesus' name.